Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. And uh, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, give me one bullet point. Well, today's show, we're going to talk about hitting a wall. Hitting walls. Can't wait. And I... I'm going to share a little thing that John Duffy helped me, uh, just helps all of us, whatever, um, regarding e-learning. Okay. And maybe we'll start with that. But first, pop culturing. We're yeah. about to record another one. We are. We're uh. going to do, uh, so for those of you who don't know, we've been doing Zen Parenting Radio for almost 10 years. Uh, so we got plenty of podcasts. As Todd said, we have 544, 544. We started a new podcast about a year and a half ago called Pop Culturing, where we, oh, there's our theme song. Yes. If you ever listen to Pop Culturing, you get to hear this snazzy little ditty. Yes. And this podcast, Pop Culturing, is um, basically a Gen X perspective on TV or movies. Some of them are from the 80s, you know, our childhood, or some of them are um, from college, and some of them are right now, which is exactly what we're doing today. We're going to do a Pop Culturing on Little Fires Everywhere, which is a show on Hulu right now with Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington, and I can't wait to talk about it. But we also have, we just did Lost Pilot and the Lost Finale and shared a bunch of secrets. We did Tiger King. Um, Knives Out. Knives Out. Our most popular one still is Sex in the City, which I think uh, is so interesting. It's not interesting. Most people who listen to this podcast are women, and women loved that series. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so we've got, uh, you know, all the old movies. We've got Say Anything. We have, did we do Pretty in Pink? Uh, no. And I'm not racing off to do that one either. But we did something with Molly Ringwald. We did we, we oh, did do Pretty in Pink. I was pink. thinking of Pretty Woman. Yes. Yeah, we did Pretty in Pink. Um, and so we did a lot of, you know, John Hughes and but stuff. But the most recent one, as you said, is... Little Fires Everywhere. Well, actually, it's... Oh, Knives Out? Lost. Yes. <laughs> That was, it was fun doing, talking about the finale. Starring Cameron Adams. Yeah, Cameron Adams. And uh, Skyler's going to join us today. So anyway, if you don't already subscribe to Pop Culturing, especially if you need a break from constant news, you know what Todd and I have been talking about so much is that Todd and I love our self-help books and our fiction books. And, um, you know, we love to be learning. You mean nonfiction books? You well, said fiction, fiction books. and nonfiction, because even there's some fiction that I've read that's too overwhelming for me. Mm. Even if it's not a true story, it's right. often based on a true story. And I'm kind of, I'm, I'm having learning overload yeah. or learning burnout. And so Todd and I have found ourselves listening to things that are more like I'm listening TV to a shows. podcast right now about uh, The Last Dance, the documentary oh, yeah. on the Bulls, and yeah. Jalen Rose, who I love, I just think he's awesome, uh, has a podcast, and they break down each episode. And yeah, it's funny because Zen Parenting, which is what you're listening to right now, uh, we err on the side of, okay, how can we use this? How can we understand ourselves? It's a deep oh, dive. It's a deep dive. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, good for you. Kudos. Keep doing it. We we don't. I don't find myself listening to a whole lot of those types of podcasts now, I'm more listening to like brain dead stuff. Well, I'm listening to a balance. Yeah. Like I used to only listen to major interviews yeah. or shows like Zen Parenting where I was always, always learning. And I just don't want to learn. Like I listened to a podcast this morning about the five best Matt Damon movies. Mm, like That's important. I know. That's kind of... So pop culturing is... Your escape. Yeah. If you feel like, you know what, Todd and Kathy, I love you, but I don't want to go deep. Just switch over to pop culturing. Yeah. You don't we have to have switch like, over. You just have both. Oh, in addition to. In addition to. Yes. Um, because I think we've probably done about 30 of those. Yeah. Right now. And you could subscribe on all the platforms, but just make sure you subscribe. Um, so before we get into hitting the wall. Yeah. Um, John Duffy is our friend. He's a doctor and he is, um, how do you describe the guy? Well, he's a psychologist and his focus, um, the, at least the way I describe it, is he, his latest book is about teens, but he's always been very focused on teens because those are primarily his clients. Mm. Those are his clients. And um, he's got such an optimistic uh, attitude and such a 
compassionate approach to not only the teenagers who he adores, but the parents. Um, He is somebody that I've always felt really uh, comfortable. We've had him at every conference that we've ever done for this reason. He sets your mind at ease, but he's honest. Do you know what I mean? So he's not, he's not like lying to you and trying to make coddle you. He's just saying, yes, here's the truth, but here's what we can so do. So he did an Instagram live that he put on his podcast called Better. He has two podcasts. The one that he uh, does with his wife, Julie, is called Better. And this is a quick few minutes about how people have been asking him about e-learning and it's a pain and are my kids learning everything they need to do? The whole podcast is gold. Okay. I just decided to pick this one out of the bunch and I'll include it in the show notes. So basically what you're saying is he did an Instagram live, but then he posted did the content on his podcast. Yeah, he so just basically just okay. copy and paste it and put it in a podcast. Good. So this is him talking about e-learning. E-learning is a struggle for my kids and for me. It's mess- messy, inconsistent. So he's talking about a question that is being asked of him. Got it, got it. And disorganized, and my kids seem disconnected from it. Yeah, that's all true. Um, e-learning is messy. And I've talked to a bunch of families and a few teachers and administrators about this very thing, and they would all agree. And I think the conventional wisdom in this moment would suggest it's there really to provide a little bit of structure for your kids over the course of the day. Does anybody really think that your fourth grader or your sophomore in high school is going to um, amass a whole new bunch of information in the next six weeks. No, nobody's expecting that. So if you're carrying that pressure and you suddenly feel like uh, I should be like a teacher now, you know, I really, I really need to be able to be a homeschooler and be very effective at this and get my kids to focus and concentrate for a few hours straight in a day. Hey, man, if you're making that happen, kudos to you. It's not necessary. My strong bias is to take the pressure off that. If there's some learning, some reading assignments or a couple other assignments that you can get your kids to do, great. Have them do it. Build that structure. But keep in mind, your kids are learning a whole bunch of stuff. And then he goes on. Well, and the, the reason that I love that is I think, again, parents struggle with the extremes. Meaning if we say, hey, lighten up. It's okay. They're like, well, are you telling me this isn't important? Then why are we doing it? And again, as we always discuss on this show, people live in these binaries of either it's important or it's not important. And what I love about what John is saying is, of course, it's important, but it's also not real, meaning that we are trying, we're in an experiment right now of trying to do some uh, maintenance of maybe what the kids learn this year, to give them some structure, to offer some structure at home for the whole family, and to keep in touch with our educators. Um, Because teachers are an important part of our children's lives, meaning we are too as parents, but kids need lots of different adults that care about them. And so to have that contact with the teachers is less about what grade am I gonna get, and more about, oh, there's my person that I'm used to seeing every day. And that I can email them and ask them questions. And I I think it's an opportunity to let the air out of the balloon for the parents who have made education their primary focus. Yeah. I already see people, as I'm sure everybody does, on all the social networking platforms saying, oh, I was supposed to have my, you know, this meeting about my kid's IEP or this teacher isn't getting back to me in time or I don't understand why, um, you know, the expectation is different or whatever. There's a lot of worry and complaining. And while I understand that sometimes complaining is a type of, uh, you know, it's kind of like what Brene Brown says about blame. It's a discharging of our own discomfort. Mm. So I look at it with compassion, meaning I don't think these people are being jerks or anything. But if we can also take a moment and be like, this isn't the same as it was before. So quit trying to make it the same. Right. And for those of you who like, oh, my meeting was canceled. Everybody's meeting was canceled. So you're not behind. You right. haven't missed anything. There isn't something that other kids are Everybody getting. Everybody is pausing. Everybody is paused. And so sometimes we are so, we have this myopic. We have an ad- yeah, we have an addiction to competitiveness. Right. And we're all, po- the whole world is pulling from the same place. Correct. Right now. And so- 
when you're like, my kid didn't get this, it's like, correct. And, and the so kids did around nobody you. else. Right? right. So we're all doing something different. And I call it an experiment because it is not because we are being experimented upon, but because this has never been done. Yeah. So it's like, what we're doing is we're building the bridge as we're walking on it, mm-hmm. as one of my teachers used to say, you know, like th- this is, and so what Todd and I were saying like a month ago when all of this kind of first happened is how do you want to reflect on yourself during this time? Because the truth is, even though we have a long way to go, there is also, it's going to end and we will have time to reflect. Even though it's one of those things, it reminds me of when we have little children and people say the days are long, but the years are short. That's exactly what this time is like, is I know the days are long, and I know the boredom and I, I, you know, not only do I experience it myself, which we're going to talk about today, but from my clients, from Circle, from our friends, my mother, my family, um, but it will end. And then we'll be like, okay, what was that all about? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and how did we, what did we, did we grow? And did we have maybe some necessary breakdowns about what's most important? Yeah. Because I don't think we should necessarily have these breakthroughs where we're all joyous. Sometimes the breakthroughs come when we hit a wall, and we're which gonna is be talking what we're going to talk about. So, so before we end up talking about that, yeah. um, one thing I liked about this podcast that John put out was he's like, listen, he's like, every week my story shifts about COVID. Same. And he's like, if you would have said, if, if you would have told me five weeks ago, my kid's playing Minecraft for three and a half hours a day, I'd be like, yeah, it's time to curb that in. He's like, now? Yeah. Go ahead. Like, and and what I like about John is that he's not like holding to his story because every day, every week, the story changes based upon what's going on in our world. So I just appreciate him being owning to the fact like, yeah, what I was, what I told you a month ago is different than what I'm telling you right now. And, And we have to, as parents, be open to rolling with all of these punches. And to me, he just by the nature of thinking that way, because I concur, mm-hmm. is even not in a pandemic, we need to be open to yes. that. See, the reason we trust John is because John is has integrity and because he's honest about when things are like he, you know, even his two books, you know, the available parent to, you know, parenting the new teen in the age of anxiety. He talks about how what a big shift that he doesn't. It's not that he doesn't believe what he wrote about in the available parent because he does, but things changed. Yeah. So he's like, here's added information on top of the connection and on top of the trust. And you and I just had a conversation about this yesterday and about the you know, the, and we don't have to dive too deep into it, Todd, because I didn't mention that I was going to bring this up. But bring it up. I'm in. Are you sure? Yeah. Well, just that sometimes when we're frustrated, we go back into old patterns of I'm feeling disconnected so or I'm feeling frustrated and so my kids need to get off technology right. because so I'm feeling frustrated. So just for some context, okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know if this is Friday. But I walked upstairs and my daughters are doing their work and everything's fine. Their schoolwork. Mm-hmm. But then in the afternoon, they their doors are closed and they're watching their shows, which is what they do. Or reading books. Or reading books yep. or taking walks. Or talking but, to their friends. But what they were doing is the same thing as they've been doing for the last, since COVID really started, which is they close their door because they want, I think there's some safety, I don't know, safety, but there's some comfort in saying, I'm in my zone of whether it's reading a book or watching a screen or something like that. And it triggered me. I'm like, how come everybody's doors are closed? How come everybody's doors are locked? And I got triggered and I knew that I was coming from a place of lack. And instead of me bringing it up at the dinner table in front of everybody, which is what I want to do, by the way, I'm like, I know that's going to land horribly. So instead I brought it up to you. I'm like, God, I'm totally, I don't know what I said, but I'm like, well, you didn't start by saying you were triggered. You just started by saying they shouldn't have their doors closed. Yes. I was totally below the line. I'm like, yeah, I'm so frustrated because why is their doors always closed? Mm -hmm. My door is not closed. You know, I'm just, (laughs) I'm coming from a victim villain mentality. Like I'm placing blame and I'm saying, poor me. Right. And then you, you know, you and I kind of processed through it a little bit and it's all about me. Correct. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to ask my daughters to open up their door, but from what energy am I asking them? And if I would have walked upstairs and said something to them from that state of consciousness, it would have been 
gone horribly. Well, and let me explain, say something generally, and this is about you, but about all of us, because this is the truth. You are projecting onto them. They're disconnecting from me because you feel disconnected. So you are looking outside of yourself and saying, everybody else needs to change to Mm. make me feel better Mm. because I'm uncomfortable right now. Now, a lot of parents will rationalize and they'll say, but they do have their door closed or we haven't seen them. And that's fine. But then you take responsibility for that and you go up and knock on the door and say, I miss you. Mm -hmm. I just want to give you a quick hug. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. And then our kids know, because this is the thing that I think is most important, which I don't know if you, I think you feel it in your body, but when we talk about it, it like gets reignited every Mm -hmm. time we have the conversation, which is you forget that if you approach the girls needing something, they're going to push back on you. For sure. And then you're going to blame them. Yep. And that is unfair. Yep. Because when we go to our kids now, and I know people will say, but what do you mean? I need them to pick up their shoes. I need them to clean. I get it. I, this is, this is very specific to having an, an, an emotional experience. You can have boundaries and expectations for your kids, but if you are feeling disconnected and you go knock on the door and you are telling basically in your words or actions or just the energy coming off your body, you're like, connect with me. Mm. They're going to be like, eh, especially teenagers, yeah. which we have three. So instead, we either you talk about it as you did and we connect you and I. Yeah. So you feel a little more stable. Or if I'm not around or if you're a single parent, you have your own self-regulating self-care experiences or you call a friend so you can ground yourself and stabilize. And then then you maybe go up and knock on the door and say, I just wanted to see you and give you a hug. You don't need anything from mm-hmm. them. You are giving something to them. Yeah. And I feel like the best way, some uh, one of the people that I'm doing this conscious leadership training, she gave me an example of holding a pen in front of you. Do you uh-huh. remember I did this? So, so, so for those of you who are listening, just pretend you're holding a pen in your hand and you have your fist closed around the pen in front of you and you're squeezing tight and your fist is you know, facing down to the ground. That is the way I would have walked upstairs knocking on their door. It would have been hard and rigid and blaming. cold and mm-hmm. blaming and mm-hmm. all that. And then twist your hand around and just open up your hand and keep the pen in your hand. I don't know if this is going to translate, but it helps me. Like I can still knock on their door, but am I, am I knocking on it from a closed fist holding the pen really exactly. tight or am I, am I holding it open in my open palm and then am I knocking on the door? Like for some reason, the, the holding of the pen example helped me. So before I go up and have an exchange with anybody who I happen to be frustrated by or who is not doing what I want them to do because the world revolves around me, obviously. Someone who is making you feel, you are blaming them for making you feel Correct, right. Like I need to give them permission to let them make me feel bad. Like Correct. this is all my stuff. Right. You're kind of like, I feel uncomfortable. Who's to blame? Yeah, who, Who's to who blame? can I blame here? Yeah. So it's, I don't know if that helps, but the pen really helps me. So the one thing I will bless myself for is I didn't walk upstairs and knock on their door from the holding the, pipe, the, the pen tight in my hand. Instead, I probably held the pen tight in my hand when talking to you, but it wasn't about you. It was about our three daughters. Well, you are always, uh, you not always, you are usually initially bombed that I see it a different way Mm -hmm. because I think you want me to be like, you're right. And I think that when I say, but they're doing nothing wrong. See, because here's the other perspective. All of that you said, I think is 100% great. And the visual of holding your hand open with the pen, there's two things that go with that. Number one, it's an offering of yourself. And number two, it's vulnerable and open. And so you're showing up vulnerable and open, which they will have, they will reciprocate that because we're, humans are all about reciprocity. Whatever we bring is what we get back. So if you're going with an open hand, they're going to, and that's, that's what I mean about, I'm being very literal about knock on the door and say, I miss you. Because then they have an opportunity to say, I miss you too. Mm-hmm. Even if we're all under the same roof, I know parents are going to be like, oh, "I don't miss my kids." Yeah. What I mean is, the missing is I feel disconnected. Yeah. So I, but you don't have to say that because that then they're like, then that's an obligation of I need to connect to you. It versus, I just miss you. I want to give you a quick well, hug. And I miss you is three layers below. Correct. The, the, the surface was I'm pissed because their doors are closed uh-huh. and their doors should not be closed or locked. Right. That's the surface. But if you dig down. And you know, like, I just miss them. And here's the the part that I always try and bring for you because we experience the world differently. 
I, you want doors open and you want walls knocked down and you want everybody to be in a circle playing a game. Mm -hmm. I need to be alone. I want the door closed. I said to you, the first thing I said to you is, Todd, why do you think I've been working in the basement? Mm -hmm. The same reason the girls are in their rooms. We need to be apart from each other because we're living under the same roof all the time. And all three of our girls, even though they have many of your qualities, Mm -hmm. they are also half me, which means, and, and that could be genetically or just who they are right now as a teenager, is that they love everybody but we got to give them space to close their door. Well, and that's one of the things that you helped me with and Duffy helped me with is because po- the, the one clip I played is one of like 10 really good questions that mm-hmm. he's been asked. And he does such a wonderful job with his words on how to do it. And some of that is exactly that. Like we just need to chill out. Right. As parents, I I need to chill out. Yeah. And, and like I said, you know, this is that nuance between, okay, so then I just roll over and and always let their door close you know like there's the pendulum right like no i can knock on their door and of say course. hey i miss you how, how can we watch a show or read a book or go outside or be light and open and laugh and not take life so seriously and even like i'm i'm focusing on your words because you're the only person here so yeah. i am not trying to pick it apart but instead of how can we do something yeah. which again sounds like something they need to do yeah. I'm going to watch the Bulls documentary. Mm-hmm. Do you want to come? Yeah. No. Okay. What show do you want to watch? And I'll join you. Yeah. New Girl. Okay. So different mm-hmm. because then they're in. When it's how can we connect? What can we do? The pressure is on them. And they're going to be like, nothing. Mm-hmm. Get out of my room. Because they are, this is the other thing. I'm going to like switch gears for a second, even though I know this, I know Duffy talked a lot about this and. Maybe this doesn't need to be repeated, but I'll say it again. Our teenagers are grieving. Our kids are grieving. They may not even understand the grief process. They may not be looking like they're grieving because they're angry or frustrated or they're closing their door or they're withdrawing or they're being crazy or they're wanting to be at your hip all the time. Grief looks different depending on the kid because remember it's all these stages and they don't know how to self-regulate yet or they're practicing self-regulation. So we have to respect that rather than be like, well, I feel this way, kid, you need to feel a certain way so I can keep going. Everybody in the house is having their own experience of grief. And we need to respect our experience and also respect our kids' experience. And instead of telling them how they should do it, we should maybe watch or ask questions or give some space for them to find a way through because that's what this experiment is doing. It's mm-hmm. forcing us to find a way through and it's not going to look like it did in February. You know, and for those of you who have strict got, you know, Todd and I do uh Team Zen talks, um, you know, these live talks throughout the you know, throughout the month. And the questions are always very similar. Very similar to like how do I control screen time? How do I, you know, keep my kid from doing this? And while it's a valid question, meaning we can discuss it and process it, but you also have to let go a little bit. Yeah. And I know that makes parents uncomfortable because they're like, but then everything will go to hell. And that's not always true. I think, you know, I was listening to a um uh you know, I read Untamed, Glennon Doyle's Untamed, but I've also listened to a few interviews with her. And there's been two people, two interviewers who have asked her the same question, which is if you let people be free, like the way you're telling us we need to be free, Glennon, if everybody's free, then it's going to be chaos and anarchy. And she has said back, so do you want to be free? Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I honor my freedom. I want my freedom. So basically what you're saying is you can be free. But other people should not be because you don't trust other people with their freedom. We assume that if we let people have some space and openness, that they're going to take advantage of us and that the world's going to go to hell. And that's the belief we need to question is when we are given freedom, how do we respond? And when I say freedom, we may have like, you know, like sometimes we get freedom, like, and we have the first, like, I'll give an example of when I go out with my girlfriends or we have a weekend together, which it's been way too long. We were supposed to get together in July, and I don't know if that's going to happen. But the first night is a little nuts. Yeah. Okay? The freedom is like maybe there's more drinking that night or staying up late that night. And then it kind of – you get that out of your system, and then you – 
just want to hang out and talk and be and relax. You, your freedom is, it's different. It's more of a, an openness and a connection. And I'm using that as a metaphor or as an analogy that, yeah, maybe when we first get freedom, we're on our, our, you know, phones all the time, or we're playing our video games or minecrafting. But then when we're given a little more space, we don't need it as much. Right. Does that make sense, yeah. Todd? I mean, am I like, I, I I could see it in my head, but I don't know if I'm explaining it No, I'm it tracking well. you. Okay. So. Um, so speaking to Team Zen. Yes. So we just did one, we're doing one later today. Yes. Um, and we've done, how many of these we've done? 86 of them. Yeah. So tomorrow or today, later today, will be 87. But just some examples of what we talked about last week. Okay. My husband and I are not in agreement regarding how to set boundaries for our 13-year-old son. Uh-huh. That was a doozy. kind of like we were talking about. That was about. a doozy. Yeah. Uh, my 10-year-old is asking why I'm working so much. Yeah. Uh, my kids are getting horrible sleep. What do I do? Where's the balance between empathizing with someone's situation and not allowing myself to be taken advantage of? It's mm, a good question. Personal boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, my in-laws are taking advantage of me mm-hmm. and so on. So if any of you want to be a part of the team, simply go to zenparentingradio.com. We're doing a free month in honor of COVID, which uh, just put in the coupon code FRIEND, F-R-I-N. E-N-D, and it'll be a free month. So. And you can just see what it's like because being a member of the team, you get to choose how you participate. Like our our tagline is um, zero pressure, 100% support, meaning that you come in and decide whether want you know you want to be on the live talks and ask a bunch of questions and be really a, a big participant there, or you just come in and listen, or you wait for that live talk to become a podcast that gets downloaded to your podcast app. You can use the Facebook page to ask questions, support other people, or just to kind of be a voyeur. So you get to choose, but what Todd and I have been really happy about, uh, or I'll say we were kind of um, grateful that we had developed this community a couple years ago. Yeah. So we were, when this, you know, when COVID happened, we already had this community of people who, you know, were there to support each other and people from all over the world. Yeah. So we're hearing from people, you know, in different countries about their experience and it's the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all the same, but it's just nice to have that kind of connection, a global connection. Yeah. We'd love to see you. Um, and then the other thing is the tribe men's group. Uh, I'm doing, uh, I'm facilitating tomorrow night's meeting. We're going to talk about atomic habits, which is cultivating the good ones and then figuring out how to reduce or decrease or eliminate the bad ones. So if you're a guy, go to tribe men's group.org and uh, sign up or shoot me an email at Todd at tribemensgroup.org. Uh, tribe Can people just come into a tribe meeting and listen or do they have to like actively participate? Um, no. I mean, everybody's on there. Some guys hide their camera. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but we, we do a check-in. Like we, you know, say, hey, Todd, check in with a feeling or Todd, check in with your favorite food or something like that. So we do try to bring people in. Okay. So it's really not if you just want to sit there and be a voyeur, we do ask at least a minimum amount of uh, contribution or or to be a part of it. But for someone who wants to join, I'm really asking this sure. question because you know I get very like, you know. Don't tell me what to do. Yes. In the words is, of John Locke. In the words of John Locke, don't tell me what I can't do, um, is that whenever I'm going to join a group, I want to be able to choose Mm -hmm. how I interact. Like I'm taking a class, a writing class right now online that I'm really excited about. But the reason I took it is because I don't have to be, I can participate the way I want. It's a really good question. Um, The answer is we ask for a minimal amount of contribution, which is basically say your name, where you're from, and, you know, whatever the check-in is. But other than that, we don't like call on you and say, hey, what do you think about that, Joe? Okay, good. Um, but yeah, but we, we want people to feel connected to one another. So it's not like a webinar. Right. It's a it's a virtual call or virtual meeting. Well, I feel like what I'm always pushing, and I am not a member of the tribe, if you guys didn't Sweetie, know that. Sweetie, you're an honor, honorary <laughs> member. But what I'm always kind of pushing you to think about is that um, when you say we want to connect people is I 100% hear that and that is the goal. But can people choose when they connect and how they connect rather than being forced to connect. The when is for sure. Cause I belong to uh, some other men's groups where there's a lot of accountability. Like yeah, you have to show up totally, every Wednesday. Totally. That's not what this is. Okay. You show up when you want, okay. but when you do show up, we ask you to say, you know, your name and whatever else what is we're asking. Well, I kind of think it lends to this question that we were just talking about, you know, with freedom and mm-hmm. the interviews that Glennon gave is that I think if we trust that people, when they're ready, show up for things, sure. that we then don't beat our heads against a wall saying, I'm trying to build connection. Please connect. Please mm-hmm. connect. It's similar, 
just to run the thread through it, like I always like to do, it's like you thinking initially, not anymore, that you need to somehow create, you need to force the girls to connect with you versus let me just tell them I love them mm-hmm. and allow connection to occur. Yeah. And so that's you and I, uh, you know, Jack and Locke over here, um, <laughs> Todd, Todd and I pretend we're the characters from Lost, is you're very literal about this is how you connect and here's here's the atomic habits and here's the phrase and here's what we do and I'm just like let go of all of it. Right. Well, it's interesting and I didn't plan on, we, we use this within the board of the tribe men's group there's this um, example metaphor that we use called uh, the vegetarian restaurant. Mm-hmm. So like there's a vegetarian restaurant and we think the tribe is the vegetarian because it's not mainstream guys connecting with other guys. It's just not something. Right. It's, it's a little off the But there's back. a lot of people out there that like vegetarian restaurants. So we're just trying to make sure that they know that, hey, there's a vegetarian restaurant in town if case you want to check it out. And then there's other men who don't even know how good a vegetarian restaurant can taste. So that's the other thing. Like, you know, some people know that they would like to try to be a vegetarian. Other men have no idea how good vegetarian. So what I say that because we have been culturally culturally conditioned to not want to connect with one another in an authentic way. Mm, okay. Okay. And there's men out there that if they just got a taste of the vegetarian restaurant, they'd be like, oh my God, that's pretty sweet. Okay. So I think what I can kind of pull back on then is the fact that... I have been culturally conditioned to connect. So for me, I would like the freedom to do it in my own way, way because the cultural, the cultural, uh, my cultural norms have been very forced. You have to be nice. You have to show up. You have to take care of people. You have to be there. You have to be the mother. You have to be the good friend. And I feel often very put upon yeah. that the expectation is very high. Right. And so I'm I'm responding to your, your perspective. my perspective. Right. And you're trying to say, we don't have nobody's expecting us to do anything. No. So we kind of have to say, do something. Yeah. Okay. I hear that. Yeah. That's a it's, good talk through. So yeah, anyways, so tribemensgroup.org, really happy about where it's been going. We've been doing weekly free calls. The tomorrow night is actually a member call, but you can pay fifteen bucks. But every other Wednesday, uh, it's free for anybody. So just shoot me an email and I'll tell you what's up. So I think it's very interesting that you just told me that the number podcast we're on is five forty four. Because for the past two days, I have been seeing 44 and 444 okay. over and over and over again. Okay. And normally the numbers I see are 111 or 1111. And those have always been my angel numbers. Whereas lately it's been 44 and 444. Mm-hmm. Um, and I finally got, you know, I used to have angel books way back when, but I either sold them or gave them away. So now I have this lovely thing called a Kindle, which I told Todd is kind of like having a bowl of candy yeah. because I can just get whatever I want. Don't have to go to the library. You don't have to wait two days for Amazon Prime. I know. It's there instantly. And I know everybody knows what a Kindle is. I'm making fun of myself because Todd gave me a Kindle five years ago as a gift and I now he uses it and anybody who offered me a Kindle, I wouldn't take it. Because you like the paper. I like books, but in a pandemic, mm-hmm. we change things because I need access to books. So I looked up angel numbers in 444. Lately, I've been kind of really, you know, more meditation, more prayer is really just according to a lot of interpretations. There's many interpretations of it, but the one that I kind of pieced together was a reminder that your support system is all around you at Mm. all times. So I've been kind of asking for signs and the signs I'm getting are, we're here all the time. Yeah. Like, and so I just find that fun that, that that would come up. So. You want to talk about hitting a wall? Yes. I love hitting walls. Well, it's my favorite. I hit a it? wall last week when I got frustrated at my girls for shutting their doors. <laughs> well, and I've hit more than one. Like I, I kind of feel like now we've been doing this for almost, uh, let's see, you and I, when did, when did school close? May 6th? March 6th. March, excuse me. March 6th. Give or take. 10th. So it's been at least six weeks, five weeks. Yeah, I think we're in our seventh week of some form of quarantine. Yeah. You and I kind of quarantined early um, comparative to some places. So we've maybe been indoors a a little longer. But um, we, so walls, uh, let me just say this kind of as the the theme of what we're going to discuss is that if you've hit a wall, 
correct, you're hitting a wall because it's probably time. And if you've hit three or four or maybe five or one a week, it's very human. Like the expectation that you should be managing this experiment without hitting walls, without hitting walls is ridiculous. Like every, you know, if I'm going to stick with the experiment metaphor, every researcher it, like it's walls constantly. Like the people who right now are trying to figure out a vaccine and medications are hitting walls constantly. Mm-hmm. And what does the wall then do? It redirects you. Mm. And this is kind of the understanding that I want people to have is that hitting the wall is not an end. It is the redirection. It's like walking through a labyrinth or a maze yeah. and then you hit a wall and you go, oh, I don't go, I can't That's go this not the way right anymore. Way. Right. Because, and you may said, but I've been going this way for the past week mm-hmm. and this has been working, but then you hit the wall and it doesn't mean you wasted the last week. It means this way that you were going now doesn't work yes. anymore. As of this moment, it does, that is not working. Correct. It's, it's over yep. and you have to redirect and find a new way through the maze or through the labyrinth. And I think that what I want to take off people's plate is the idea that they're failing mm-hmm. because you might feel like you're flailing, yeah. which we all are, but the, the wall may be your necessary um, you may have a full breakdown, like cry, or you may just get frustrated, or you may just go, shit, like mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you don't have to have a certain response, but it may mean that you need to go sleep. It may mean that you need to call a friend, or it may mean that you need to readjust your expectations. Well, and for me, as long as, I mean, just talking about this right now, it's almost like, oh, yeah, you're not supposed to not hit walls. Correct. And so when it happens to all of us, to me, to you, to anybody listening tomorrow, next week, like as long as we can like just remind ourselves, oh yeah, this is normal. Here, there's the wall. There's the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like walk through your house and just in a straight line, you're going to hit a wall right. eventually. And I'm using that as just an example of in life, even when I'm taking walks, like, cause that's all any of us ever do. Todd and I pass by our neighbors. We'll yeah. be like, take it another walk. We walk constantly is eventually, even if you don't hit a wall, you hit a building, mm-hmm. which is a wall, I mm-hmm. guess you run into something and that tells you redirect. And I think what I've found from my clients that I've been talking to or people on Team Zen is that they're like so angry that their old methods are not working. And I'm using the word anger on purpose. They're like pissed about it. Like, but I used to do this and I used to say this and this doesn't work or this, you know, I used to be able to buy the kind of pasta I wanted and, and I used to be able to find yeast when I wanted. And it's like, but that doesn't, that's not now. And it doesn't mean, you know, you may need to buy bread this week rather than make bread. Mm -hmm. And and I'm using that because it's a very gentle example. Um, and that's okay. Like you're still, these are, I think the, the suffering as we know, is the refusal to accept what is. Mm. And so then you suffer in it as if it shouldn't be this way, but it is this way. Now you can, like, I don't look at people and go, what's your problem? Like, I look at people and go, yeah, I would cry about that too, because we've come to depend on that. And that makes us sad. But the crying, you're not crying because of failure. You're crying because you need to release all that pent up energy. So then you can have some space to turn right yeah. or left. Crying because you're uncomfortable. Correct. So again, I, I want to talk about the um, letting go of a belief. And I think this is connected to Duffy and what he was saying about that the ability to, first of all, experience hitting a wall is not a failure. And then the ability to readjust when necessary rather than holding on to old habits, yes, old ways of doing it, yes, yeah. even if it's like when we say ways, that's more of a doing. Mm-hmm. And I would take it a, a layer below and be like, just a way of being, mm-hmm. like where you can't be happy unless this happens, or you aren't satisfying unless you have this outcome, and that there is a if we are if we are strong enough. I don't know if I like to say it that way. If we can be gentle with ourselves through this process, we may develop some muscles or habits that can help us after this pandemic too. I hope so. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that right now we feel like we're, we've got this 
reason that we are completely not in control of. Mm-hmm. We're basically out of control. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and But if we can develop some habits and some sense of vulnerability and that we are asking for help when we need it or having a good cry or getting good sleep or allowing ourselves to sleep in or lessening our pressure on our kids, maybe we can take all that into the next phase of what we're going to be. If we're lucky, like, of course, there's going to be lessons as as a result of this time. Um, And you and I have had conversations about this. Like, I hope we don't go back to where we were. Yeah. I hope we become a, just not a hundred percent smarter, but you know, in the words of Dan Harris, can we be 10% smarter <laughs> right. after this is all said and done? Mm-hmm. And that's my hope. And so, you know, Todd and I are kind of jumping over to the end already, but even let's take it in. So that's the macro. So let's go to the micro, which is today I was a little hard on my kids. Mm-hmm. Why was I hard on my kids? Is it really that they're doing everything wrong or manipulating me or taking advantage? Or is it that I feel out of control and I'm not loosening the pen in my grip and that maybe tomorrow I can do this 10% better? So like the macro is you and I saying, let's take the best lessons from this and and take them into 21 and Mm. 2022. But I think hitting a wall is also just about how can I do things better at four o'clock today? Yeah. You know? Yeah, tomorrow you're going to get another curveball thrown your way. Correct. How are you going to adjust to that? And, you know, we talk about this on Team Zen all the time, but pausing and recognizing where you are right now. Right now, I'm mad. Mm -hmm. Can you accept the fact that you're mad? Mm -hmm. Most of us can't accept it. Mm -hmm. I I couldn't accept my anger towards my daughters because their doors were closed. Mm -mm. I couldn't accept that at all. Mm -mm. Instead, at least I had the intuition to not... (laughs) storm into their room, yeah. I I needed to talk to you about it. And thankfully we had a chance to do that. But, you know, the first part is recognition. Like, where am I right now? I'm pissed. Yeah. Why am I pissed? Because my kids' doors are closed. Is that really something that is, is, is it, is your anger really about that? Or it is about something else? Turns out it was about, I miss my daughters mm-hmm. and then probably some other childhood baggage. Well, and I was going to say that, that, is the truth. But really underneath that is I feel disconnected from everybody. Yeah. And I'm because my daughters are in this house and Kathy, you're in this house, I'm going to kind of make it your fault that I feel disconnected. Exactly. So that's like, there's like all these like levels of disconnection yeah. and keep you know, digging, keep digging, keep digging. They're way down deep into the seed. Um, so this, and I'm going to say this, but I'm going to preface it by saying this is not, I'm not trying to add another thing to your list by saying this. I just want to give you perspective on the fact that, you know, something that's super important about parenting is that our kids are watching us, right? So they're watching us all the time and we can't get away from that. And what that means is we need to demonstrate to them what it means to be human. Mm. We don't need to demonstrate to them what it means to be perfect or happy all the time or have everything controlled or to have a great list. Um, You know, it's funny, we're going to talk about on Pop Culturing this week, Little Fires Everywhere. And I was, as we were watching Reese Witherspoon being like the type A mom, Mm. and she had like the perfect board and color coded. And I know people who probably looked at that and said, oh my God, I want that. Not necessarily her experience because she was pretty tough, but they want the The, color-coded board. Yeah, you're talking about the board like of responsibilities, who's doing what. Who's doing what. Calendars. She had color-coded lunch bags. And I know people who looked at that and like coveted that. And they covet it because, in my judgment, that's the only way they can feel comfortable in their skin. Correct. If I'm in control, then I'm in control. Yes. And so that's not... And, you know, spoiler with the end of Little Fires Everywhere, won't go there now, but it's not necessarily the best way to teach your children how to be human because there's nothing human about that. That is about control and manipulation and force. And this opportunity when we're hitting walls is saying to our kids, I'm hitting a wall Yeah, and showing them or saying to them, you're not putting it on them. They're not there to solve it, but you're giving them permission to say, I'm hitting a wall. And you're demonstrating what you do after you hit a wall. So I'm telling you this not to 
put it on your parenting checklist, but to realize when you hit a wall, you're not failing anybody. You're actually being a good role model because I mean, even your little bitty kids, like even your three-year-olds and two-year-olds, it's okay if mom has a day where she's like lying flat on the floor. (laughs) I remember doing this a few times. Um, Like I would literally be flat on the floor in the family room and the kids, you know, being one, two and three would like walk over me, walk around me. Mama, what's wrong? Mama, what's wrong? I'd be like, mom's tired. Mom's tired. I hit a wall. I don't know if I use that word or that language, but I'd be like, I am done. And, and I, and I allowed myself to laugh about it. I allowed them to lay with me. Like I didn't pretend that I was always on. So can you talk about the nuance of that? Because what you just said was healthy, but that can easily go unhealthy Uh and that our kids are picking up the pieces that we can't keep ourselves. I guess the pieces that you have to be thoughtful about are number one, dumping on our kids where they think they need to take care of us. There's a big, there's always kind of this wall that I have when it comes to my kids and I'm talking to them about my issues is it's very similar to how I, how you and I do Zen parenting is I don't talk about something on Zen parenting until I feel resolved enough to talk about it. Meaning if I came on Zen parenting and talked about a problem that I was in the middle of and struggling with, then I would care a lot about what all of you listeners thought. And and I always care what you think, but what I mean is I would be too vulnerable, I'd be too raw, and any feedback I got would probably hurt me. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I come on and I share something that I feel in myself, even if it's not literally resolved, in myself I'm resolved, then your feedback doesn't knock me over Mm -hmm. because I'm like, well, this is the way I wanted to manage it and I feel... So I'm, that's the kind of wall I have with my kids where I don't like the word wall. It's the kind of boundary I have where I don't go to them in the midst of my chaos. So uh, just to push back on you a little bit, okay. you gave me an example of you laying flat on the floor because uh-huh. you were tanked, uh-huh. like you're out of energy. Uh-huh. Um, so, but when you're, when you're showing your kids metaphorically, you're laying flat on the floor uh-huh. It says like, mom's out of gas. It is. But I think the nuance is that I'm not saying, I'm not crying on the floor saying, kids, you need to go to your room, save me. Correct. I'm laughing. Yes. I'm like, I'm done. Yes. I have enough of a boundary that I'm not looking. And, and again, can this boundary be crossed sometimes? Yeah. Like in the midst of grief, mm-hmm. like say, say someone, I just got bad news and mm-hmm. I had a total breakdown in sure. front of my kids. That happens yeah. like that. It's not that we can, you know, again, this is the thing about life. It's messy and yeah. gray, but in a typical situation, my kids are not who I depend on to make me feel better. Pick up my pieces. But I can be human in yes. front of them. And that's the subtle nuance that we're talking Correct. about. Correct. Yeah. And so I don't knock on my 17 year old's door and say, I need to talk to you about something I'm sad about. Yes. That's not what she's there right. for. But- she may be talking to me about something with her, and I'll say, you know what? I was talking to your dad or Manisha or Jess or somebody about that I was struggling with that last week. Mm-hmm. So I can relate to her, but I'm not dumping Going on to her. her right. Exactly. Yeah. And and it's okay to say to your kids, I've hit a wall, I'm tired, I want to go to bed. Because that's not dumping on them, that's just being honest. honest. And it's very subtle. And you and this is why this whole thing is a practice because you have to be willing, you got to even know what you're feeling first, right? Yeah. And sometimes if you don't, it can be a time to be like, you know what? I'm going to see, you know, I'm going to figure out if possible um, how I can have some alone time, yeah. even in our own house. You know, I'm going to figure out, I'm going to go for a walk by myself. Yeah. I'm going to, whatever it may be, because, um, but just getting back to the fact that even being able to name what we're feeling is like a not only gives our kids new words to define the way they're feeling. If you can't do that, you're not going. You're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, you can't hop over that step. Correct. Naming is a great modeling practice. Yes. Like naming, like I'm tired. See, because a lot of people use stressed, overwhelmed, and tired as these general language that people can't really relate to because they're like so many feelings in one. So it's funny because in one of these uh, tribe virtual meetings, one of the guys, I said, you know, check in with your name, where you're from and one feeling. And the guy said, victimized. I'm like, sorry, it's not going to work. You got to give me anger, sadness, fear, or joy, like those four. Mm -hmm. For me, that might be annoying to whoever I'm talking to, Mm -hmm. but for me, I need simplicity. And victimized is not a feeling. That's a story you made up. 
Yes, that's well. That's a yeah. That's an interpretation. It's an interpretation, yeah. but will give me the feeling. And the, these are the four that I'm presently working with. So when I'm trying to, you know, like when I was working through the the, the doors being closed, I'm just sad because I feel disconnected from my daughters. Like right. I don't know if I said that to you. I think I may I may have said something to that effect. Well, you the way you always start, and this is the reflection back that you don't like because I think you're trying to share a bunch of different things at once. Is you blame them. Sure. You get mad at them. So that is not, I miss them. No, it took me a while to get there. Right. In the beginning of the conversation, it was, I'm pissed because their doors are closed. You were basically trying to connect with me about, don't you think it's horrible that they're doing that? And I was like, no, I don't. Um, But by the end, I'm like... You were totally there. In the end, yeah. yeah. You were totally like, you you were more... Like talking about it helped Todd identify his words. So Todd just said when you know, the guy in the tribe said he was victimized, that Todd said, give me happy, glad, uh, anger, sadness, joy, fear. So, and I just posted something, um, on our team's end page the other day about how much lives inside of those words. Oh, yeah. Like you love the, ins- the simplicity, yes. which I appreciate, but just let me talk about the word sad for a second. Sad can mean bored, empty, ashamed, powerless, isolated, vulnerable, indifferent, abandoned, depressed, ignored, or lonely. Mm -hmm. And those are just the tip of the iceberg, meaning that sometimes even sad is too general. Like in in the scope of a tribe meeting, that makes sense. It's a good place to start. But when you are really thinking about yourself, when I feel frustrated at someone, I'm like, okay, why am I being triggered this way? Because I feel like they're abandoning me. I'm sad, but, and then just a few others, just so you guys get an idea. Anger could be hurt, disgust, feeling threatened, frustrated, embarrassed. Embarrassment always goes straight to anger. Mm -hmm. As soon as you're embarrassed, if that's not resolved or if you can't laugh it off, it goes straight to anger. Um, Irritated, provoked, resentful. And then a positive one, um, and again, feelings aren't positive or negative, but the one that feels better, Uh, peaceful, I feel peaceful, content, loving, relaxed, thankful, trusting, thoughtful, sentimental, nurturing. So like under each feeling, there's all sorts of other feeling words. And if you can get down to the core of what it really is you're feeling, that's a great role modeling for not only yourself, but for your kids. For sure. Because they, it's a very... um, once you name what you're feeling, then you know what to do about it. Yeah. And even just saying it out loud, like I just wrote something today, uh, it was a sentence I liked and I'm, I'm not quite sure I can get it out. It was something to the effect of like, the hard work is in the speaking, the healing is in the being heard. Meaning you don't really need someone problem solving the way you feel. I tend to do that for the girls sometimes and I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm constantly trying to help them figure it out. But the hard work is in the naming and the owning of the feeling. Because a lot of us want to be like, no, I'm not mad. No, I'm not saying I'm mad. You know, we're very defensive. But if we can own it, the healing comes from just being heard that we have that feeling. And we don't need to, when you're telling me that you're feeling disconnected, me just saying, yeah. And we talked about a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. You and I went much deeper into it, but... That So if your kid comes to you, I guess what I'm trying to offer to parents is if your kid comes to you and says that they're sad or they're grieving or they miss their teacher, instead of figuring out a way that you can drive by the teacher's house in five minutes and solve it, instead be like, yeah, I'm, I miss the teacher Well, and even bef- not before that, but in, in conjunction with that is you got to check in with yourself. Your kid just said that she's sad because she misses her teacher. Odds are that's probably going to make me a little sad because somebody I love is sad. So you got to check in with yourself like, wow, that makes me sad a little bit. Not that you have to say that to your kid, but you just need to like, where am I in this moment? She just said she was really, really sad. And I have a tendency, kind of what you just said, is to problem solve. Let's fix this, not because I want you to be joyful, but because I can't stand myself in this feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, this is the development of empathy. Um, You know, there's a lot of people who say that they've been saying this for years. uh, Like I used a book in one of my college classes called Born to Love. And the whole book was about how we're hardwired for empathy, but we're having an empathy crisis Mm -hmm. because we're having a hard time relating to other people. The practice of strengthening our empathy muscles is when someone says they're sad because they miss their teacher, 
you can actually, I, you know, I tend to put my hand on my heart, but you can actually say, oh, I'm feeling that with you, mm-hmm. that I, I, I don't necessarily miss your teacher. And you don't have to say this part, but I feel that you hurt. And then that is empathy. You are feeling a feeling you have felt before that somebody else is displaying. And you don't, and the, and again, the nuanced part is you don't have to go into it with them. You don't have to solve it and you don't even have to break down and cry with them. You just relate and validate Uh, the people who even someone I love, like Adam Grant, who's a researcher, he went so far to say that empathy is a problem. I don't agree. I think that there's, um, people say that empathy is a problem because we get empathy overload and then we can't help ourselves. I think that's way to I think that we have the ability to feel with someone and not become overwhelmed by for that. sure um, but it's a practice I mean I've I, I'm saying that as a recovered yeah per well not fully recovered but partially recovered from that work in progress right but I would hate to to lose that connection to people for sure so were you gonna play something well what was the name of that book you said born? Uh, called born to love I just, I got Springsteen in my mind because we started talking about Dr. John Duffy. I know. This is born to So run. we're an hour in. Is okay. there anything else that you wanted to share? Um, well, I guess just, you know, when you hit your wall, rather than sucking it up or thinking you suck or blaming someone else, just name it and then it'll figure, you can figure out a way to adapt and pivot. Name it and feel it. Yeah. And then you can pivot. You know pivot? what you've got to find. I know. you got to find it, sweetie. Sorry. We can't use that word and not get Dr. Ross Geller. Um, but yeah, like that's what adapting is being able to hit a wall and then figure out which way to turn next. And knowing that you're going to hit another one. Like that, that there is not an end to this. Turn. Okay. Turn. Turn. Uh, bro- uh- Sweetie, what are we listening to right now? Well, this is Ross and Rachel and Chandler trying to get Ross's new couch up the stairs, and Ross really wants that new couch. Oh, pivot! <laughs> the best part of that is Chandler. Yes. Well, Ross. Ross doesn't get his due. He's always been my favorite. I know. I think out of 100 people, I think most people, I don't know. I think Ross is always one of the last two favorite friends. Correct. He is. Who's the other? Who's second uh, to last? I would say the last two are unfortunately um, both Gellers. Oh, Monica, yeah. mm-hmm. really? I, I don't know that for a fact. It, it, uh, Cameron a long time ago read me a list of like the most popular, but it tends to be um, Chandler mm-hmm. and then Phoebe, mm-hmm. probably because they're the most eccentric or funny or whatever. And then um, Joey. And then Rachel. Rachel, Monica, and Ross. Yeah. One quick story about uh, David Schwimmer. Yeah. He was the most, except for maybe Courtney Cox, the most famous actor. No, Courtney Cox was definitely going in because they got the show made because of her. And then, um, and then it was time to renegotiate his contract and he could have commanded a really high salary, but he said to the other five actors, let's negotiate together. I know. And I think it was at his own detriment, but in the end, I think it ended up paying him more money because the show became much more successful because of it. But it was a very unselfish maneuver. Well, and I think that I agree with you. I agree. And as you said before, in conjunction, I think that there was some fairness and justice, meaning he's like, why should three of us, the men, Mm -hmm. be getting more money than the other three and we're all have the same amount of time on screen? Like, I think he kind of just saw it as a, that makes no sense. Yeah, and I don't think it was a male-female thing because I'm guessing Courtney Cox probably commanded the biggest salary. Hers didn't go up as much as everybody else, meaning hers like plateaued a little oh. more, but it Until was... Until they started negotiating as a team, you mean? 
Correct. Okay. I think going in, she was getting paid the most okay. or she had the most notoriety, which I think, yeah. and, and I think that when they were doing renegotiations and a lot of this has to do with your agent, you know, after watching this Bulls documentary, Scottie Pippen's agent needed mm, to get his yeah. game on. Um, but anyway, is that it looked like the guys were going to get a higher salary. Got it. And yeah. so then, and not, and the, and the thing where you're like, it would be to his detriment but that's if you think money's more important than relationships. Right. And in a negotiation, most people are not thinking about something as fuzzy as relationships. They're thinking about how many zeros are in the number. Right. Yeah. Which when really in reality, it's relationships. That's why they were able to keep doing that right. show. So yes. So, you know, cheers to David Schwimmer, Chicago kid. He started Looking Glass Theater. Yeah. Kid. He's my age. Yeah. He's a kid. Yeah. Kids these days. <laughs> Um, so last uh, plug to uh, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty. He is. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. I might have him repaint our deck. Really? Stain our deck. It's looking a little beat up. It's it's chipping. It's chipping a little bit. So anyways, avidco.net, 630-956-1800. We'll see you guys on the Zen Talk at noon today if you're interested. Hopefully. Uh, and listen to Pop Culturing. Pop Culturing coming up. Uh, little fires everywhere. They're everywhere. Everywhere. All right. Adios, guys. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe and review our Pop Culturing podcast, a Gen X viewpoint on movies and TV with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness. It's basically the flip side of Zen Parenting Radio. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen Talks through the Team Zen podcast app. And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at todd at zenparentingradio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give them a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking. Thank you.